are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So we've been saying for a couple of months that we're looking forward to this day, and I'm very excited about it. I'm really pumped up to talk to you about this idea of giants. And I wanted to ask you as we started to be reflective in your own life for a minute and respond to this question. So what do you do when you are facing a giant? How do you handle that? And so you may say, what do you mean by a giant? Well, I'm talking about like a major problem or a major concern in your life or a major situation. I'm not talking about a small problem that you can figure out. I'm talking about a huge problem that you say, I cannot overcome this. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. This is huge. This is big. This one has me, you know, just, I mean, I don't know how to work through this. And it cuts to the very quick of your heart. People can look at your face and tell that something's up. You're dealing with something heavy. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor, I've been with a family in a hospital. And standing in front of them, was the biggest giant they had ever faced in their lives. Everything they prayed that the diagnosis would not be, it, it was. And so what do you do when you find yourself in that situation? Pastor Rick, there's this huge problem, this huge situation, this major concern in my life. And it is insurmountable. I cannot overcome it. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so, since we're just all here today and we're friends, uh, we'll just be honest with each other. Is anybody who would say, well, I tend to Google it. Anybody want to be confessional here? I just go to work on, you know, what's going on. How many of you say, I just worry? That's just my nature. I tend to start worrying and I kind of obsess with worry. How many of you would say, I just pray like I have not prayed in a really long time. I begin to call out to God for help. So we all have ways of dealing with those giants that come into our lives. We're going to look at a guy during this series whose name is David. At this stage of his life, he's a really young man. And one day, David finds himself standing in front of a giant. And do you know what he says to the giant? This battle is the Lord, the Lord's, and the Lord will conquer you. Oh, I thought I'd get a lot more than that out of that. Really, I got one little, but I appreciate it. I don't mean to, you know. So David stands in front of his giant, and you know what he says to the giant? This battle belongs to the Lord. The Lord will conquer you. That's better. That's better. So let me take you to this story, okay? It's found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. So the Philistines are the most dangerous enemies of Israel. There's many recordings of the Israelites fighting the Philistines. So they mustered their army for battle and camped between Succo and Judah and Azekah and Ephes de Mim. Saul, however, the Israelite king, countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other 
on opposite hills with the valley between them. So I think you're starting to get the picture, right? You've got the valley of Elah, and on one side of the hill you've got the Israelites, and on the other side, the other hill, you've got the Philistines. And they are getting ready to go to war. Now, there's this hero in the story, and his name is David. And David, interestingly, there are 66 chapters in the Bible that talk about David in great detail. More than any other besides who? Jesus, that's right. So David is this special guy. He's anointed as the king of Israel while there's still a standing king. In fact, the Word of God says... The Son of God will be called the Son of David. So here's this very unique guy. And we learn a lot from David and his encounter with this giant. So, um, I grew up in this little town in Kentucky. Did I ever mention I was raised in a small Kentucky town? My grandpa Harvey was one of my very best friends. He was an awesome storyteller. And... And the way that our lives were with my Grandpa Harvey was that he would tell us stories over and over and over again. And we loved him. And one of my favorite stories was when my Grandpa Harvey would talk about meeting the tallest man in the world, Robert Wadlow. Now, Robert Wadlow died in the 1940s. But according to the World Guinness Book of Records, he was the tallest man recorded in history. In fact, I brought a picture of him, okay? He was... 8 feet and 11 inches tall. You can Google him after this sermon is over, okay? So he was only one inch short of being 9 feet tall. Robert Wadlow. A giant of a man. And so David encounters a giant. Let me tell you the story, okay? Then Goliath, that's his name, a Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. So the picture you just saw of Robert Wadlow, he was eight feet and 11 inches tall. So Goliath was at least two inches taller, okay? He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet and a bronze coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. I mean, think about this guy. His coat weighed 125 pounds. He was also, he also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying his shield. I mean, this is a bad dude. And so Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. So you got the valley in between, you got the Philistines on this hill, Israelites on this hill, and he yells out, Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. Now listen to this. If he kills me, then we will all be your slaves. But if I kill him, you all will be our slaves. And then he says, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will come and fight me. So the Bible says when Saul, the king of Israel, and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified. 
They were scared to death of this guy. And they were deeply shaken. For 40 days, every morning and evening. Now you got this twice a day for 40 days. The Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. And he taunted them. And so young David encounters a giant. What we're going to learn over these next few weeks is that this was not the only giant David would face. He would stand on his rooftop one day and see a very beautiful woman bathing without any clothes on. And the giant of sexual temptation was all over David. He would face a giant of rejection. He would face a giant of loss. Many others through his life. And that's your story. It's my story. Throughout our lives, we are going to face many giants. What's the giant you're facing today? What's your biggest concern? What's your greatest problem? What keeps you awake at night? What haunts you through the day? What is it in your life that you would say, Hey, Rick, you know what? If I could just conquer this, if I could just overcome this, I think my life could be good. But this one thing is holding me down. So when I ask you that, I'm asking, Is it a, uh, is it a bill you can't pay? Is it a person you just can't please? Is it a temptation that there is no way you can find any power to resist? Is it a future you can't face? Is it a grade you can't make? Or is it a past you can't shake? Over these last couple of months, I tend to kind of process out loud and so whoever I'm eating a meal with or talking to or in a car with, I tend to talk about what I'm preaching about. And so as I've talked about giants to people in preparing for the series, it's amazing to me how transparent people are willing to be with me as a pastor about their giants. And so I've said to people, do you have a giant in your life? And it's like almost everybody has said to me, yes, I have a giant. I've got this overwhelming thing that I cannot conquer. I cannot fix it. I can't overcome it. And so when I've asked, do you mind sharing with me? People have said things like, it's anxiety for me, Rick. I can't, I can't beat it. Other people have said to me things like, it's past abuse. I know it happened a long time ago, but I can't seem to overcome it. Some people have talked to me about this giant of addiction in their life. I feel like I'm an addict. I don't want to be an addict, Pastor Rick, but I'm addicted. I can't, I can't conquer this thing. For some, it's been depression. And for others, fear. And for others, finances. A guy said to me not long ago, there is no way I can get my hands on the amount of money that I need to get my hands on. For some people, it's guilt. And for some, it's insecurity. I... I compare myself, and I never tend to measure up. I never feel like I'm quite good enough. It's a giant that I can't conquer. For some, it's loss. And I pray hard for people who have had to bury people they love. 
And there's other things they've lost. For some, it's lust. And for some, rejection. And for some, they would say, my giant is a relationship. And some would say, my giant is sin. I, I want to break free from the power of sin's grip, but I can't seem to break free. And for others, they talk about sickness. My giant's cancer, Pastor. You know, you've been praying for me. Or my giant is shame, or my giant is unforgiveness, or my giant is just life. It comes at me so fast. And schedule, and raising a family. What's your giant? What keeps you awake at night? What worries you? What do you think about throughout the day? How long has this giant been with you? Some of you are going to say, it's been with me a really long time. Others are going to say, I got kind of a new giant and I don't like it. Are you ever tempted to say, you know what? I don't think I'll ever defeat this giant. I don't think I will ever overcome this thing. Because like Goliath, many giants want to taunt us. And they harass us. And they demoralize us. And sometimes they immobilize us. We feel like we're stuck. We can't move forward. I'm right here. And this giant has kind of got me at a place of, I can't move forward with my life until I defeat this giant. So what happens in the story is that Jesse is the father of David. And he says to this young boy now, he's a young boy, he's a shepherd boy. Then he says, hey, David, I want you to go check on your brothers. They're on the front line of Saul's battle. Three of his brothers were soldiers in Saul's army. And so he says, take them food, all right, and take some food to their captains. And then I want you to bring me back a report. So David takes off to check on his brothers, to take them the food. And when he's there, the giant comes out. And he does this morning taunt. Send somebody out to fight me. I'm the champion of the Philistines. And David hears it, and he can't believe what he's hearing. And the other soldiers say, yeah, he does it twice a day, every morning and every night. And the king is so terrified of this guy that he has said that if one guy will go fight him and defeat him, then he will give him one of his daughters as a wife. And he, his entire family, will be tax-exempt the rest of their lives. Now, some of you haven't heard a word I said, but when I said tax-exempt, you're like, what? Did he say something about tax exemption? Because I'm interested in that. So here's the way the story unfolds. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. It's the first word we see the word, first time we see the word God. And then David's question was reported to the king, Saul. And the king sent for him. Now, you got, you got to get this, okay? Um, David is a young boy. And he says to the king, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. I mean, it's kind of comical when you think about it. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. He's not only nine feet tall, he is a professional killer. But David persisted. Now listen to the story. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw 
and club it to death. I mean, David is a bad dude. You got to think about this. I'm not fighting a, a lamb. I mean, a bear or a lion. I have done this both to lions and bears. And I'm going to do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me. Wow. You hearing this? David says, I, I realize that this was God. He's going to rescue me from the Philistine. And so now he stands before Goliath. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield and his bear ahead of him. His shield bear ahead of him. Sneering and contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. That you come with me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Goliath yells. And David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give your dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues His people. But not with a sword and spear. The Lord, or rather this is the Lord's battle. And He will give you to us. I, I don't think I'm the only guy in the room who does it. Or maybe the only gal in the room. But like when I... When I get involved in a play, a story, or a movie, I, I tend to identify with the characters. Anybody else do that? Like if I go watch a Jason Bourne movie, you know what I'm going to say to Annette after the movie? Hey, Annette, like for the rest of the night, will you call me Jason, you know? And you know what Annette says? No, that's stupid. I'm not going to call you Jason. But, but I always do, and I've also noticed that not only do I identify with somebody in the movie, but I identify with the hero in the movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm always like the young guy with, you know, great cut, chiseled body, you know, and great hair and tan and big smile, white. I mean, I'm always that guy, you know? And like when we leave the movie sometimes when I'm driving, I'm like, let's pretend like we're in the movie and I'm going to, you know, somebody trails, I'm darting in between cars, you know, and she's like, you're going to have to slow down because you're going to get us hurt, you know, but you kind of do that. Do you do that? Am I the only one who doesn't? Am I starting to scare you a little bit about me? So I think when I read the story of David, the same kind of thing happens to me. I read the story of David and I go, yeah, you know, and I pop my chest out and, you know, I want to fight a giant, you know. And I think about the giants in my life. I can defeat this giant. Dare to be David. You know, after giving it my best shot, a couple days later, my giant is still towering over me, taunting me, insulting me, trying to demoralize me, trying to immobilize me. So, so I think there's four steps that we find here. Four steps toward conquering your giant, okay? And I'm going to give you three of them. 
Okay? No, I'm messing with you. I'll give you all four. Okay, we'll go, we'll go for it. Okay. So, you might want to take that card that you received when you came in, and you might want to write these down. In fact, I think you ought to write them down. I think it might really help. Okay? So, we're going to talk about these four steps. Number one, you're getting it all together. Number one, admit, I cannot defeat my giant. That's the first step. Number one, just admit to yourself right now, you know what? I've got a giant in my life. You know what the giant is. Just go ahead and say to yourself, I cannot defeat my giant. So you might want to protest and say, wait a minute. I thought this was about facing our giants. I didn't say your giant cannot be defeated. I said you can't defeat him. I didn't say you can't. I didn't say the giant can't be defeated. I said, you can't defeat him. You with me? See, see, David, David understood. This is the Lord's battle. The Lord will conquer you. See, you can't, you can't raise that much money. You can't cure the cancer in your body or the cancer in your friend's body. You can't change the other person's heart. I mean, just go ahead. You're going to find a lot of freedom if you'll take this first step with me. If you'll just say to yourself right now, okay, I've got this giant, and you know what? I can't cure it. I can't defeat it. Number one, just admit to yourself, I can't defeat my giant. This is the Lord's battle. The Lord will conquer this giant. I can't do it. God can. Let me, let me chat with you here for just a minute, okay? So, playing golf a few weeks ago with my buddies early on a Thursday morning. And, uh, and I'm having one of my better rounds. We're at Hefner South, and I'm only four over on the front nine. And so when we're walking to the 10th tee, the person keeping the score says, Hey, Pastor, you realize you're only four over on the front? I'm like, don't sound surprised when you say that, okay? Um, don't sound so shocked, you know, that I'm having a decent round. Because I'm really not very good at golf. But I love to play. And so I'm thinking, maybe the day is today. Maybe I'm going to shoot in the 70s today. If I could just hold together on the back. And so I get up on the 10th tee. I hit my drive. goes okay. My second shot, there's water between me and the green. And I hit the ball into the water. Oh, man. I am so ticked at myself. You wouldn't believe. I'm like, seriously? You hit it in the water? And so, pull the, take a drop. I'm standing here in front of the water. The green's over there. I'm only about 100 maybe and, and 10 yards out. The wind's blowing in my face. Pretty strong. All I got to do is hit the ball in the green. But as I'm sitting over the ball and I just lean my hands forward and I start to rotate my shoulders, I kind of freeze. And here's what I do. I go, don't chunk it into the water, Ricky. Okay, that's all I'm thinking about. Don't do something stupid here. At worst, you're going to take a double, all right? Just don't chuck in the water. So kind of back off a little bit and look at the water, come back over the ball. And the only thing dominating my thoughts is don't chunk in the water. Rotate my shoulders, take a swing. Guess what I do? I chunked it in the water. I deserved it because I was focused on the water. I wasn't focused on the green. 
I was focused on the water. Number two, focus on God, not your giant. You know what? Some of you are facing some tough stuff in your life right here. Life just stinks right now. There's a whole bunch of you on a prayer list in my phone. I'm praying for you every day. And life's hard. And I believe God brought you here today so He could say to you, don't focus on the giant. Focus on God. You're going to love this. Let me show you this. While everybody else is talking about the giant, David is talking about God. Oh, come on. You've got to help me a little bit this morning. Am I by myself up here? While everybody else is talking about the giant, David is talking about God. Did you know that nobody else even mentions God in the story? David mentions Goliath twice, but he mentions Goliath nine times. While everybody else is focused on the giant, David is saying, not me, buddy. I'm focused on God. Big question. Do you talk more about your giant? Or do you talk more about God? The more I talk about my giants, the taller my giants get. The more I talk about God, the smaller my giants get. So don't focus on the giant. Focus on the one who can conquer your giant. Right? Look at number three. Remember God's faithfulness. You know what, you know what David begins to do? He begins to remember he begins to remember that lion and that bear. And he remembers all the times that God fought his battles for him. And he begins to remember how God has brought him through time and time again. And so what David does is he just says, you know what? I'm going to focus on God's faithfulness right here. I, I realize I can't defeat this giant, but God can. And so I'm going to focus on God. And I'm going to remember all the other times that God has brought me through. Now let me show you something that Billy Graham said. He said, today, after all, is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. I'm going to have to leave it there for a minute because some of you aren't real quick. <laughs> today, after all, is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. So how are we doing so far today? Has God been good? Is God bringing you through? Is God faithful? Are you going to make it? I love this last one. Number four. Run toward your giant. What? What? Giants are scary. <laughs> you want me to run toward my giant? Let me give you the rest of the story, okay? As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. 
When everybody else was running away from the giant, David is running toward him and reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a single stone for he had no sword. You see, when you come to this place in your life that you admit to yourself, I can't defeat this giant. Whatever it is, and you know what it is, I can't do it. I can't defeat the giant, but God can defeat him. This is God's battle. God can conquer that. When you come to that place, and then you begin to focus on God, not the giant, but focus on God. Because when I focus on God, my giant gets shorter. When I focus on the giant, the giant gets taller. And when I remember God's faithfulness, and I think about all the times that God has brought me through, then I do not have to hide behind the corner around the corner, in fear of this giant, I can run right toward that giant because God has got this thing. I'm going to shock you now. Why, Rick? Why would I do those four things? And here's what you read in the story. So everybody will know there's a God in Israel and he rescues his people. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was about me and my giant. I thought it's about my giant getting slayed. No. It's so everybody will know there's a God in Israel. And he rescues his people. So just, just you got to lean in. And, and if you don't, you're going to leave missing something so important, okay? What if, what if, just, just what if God's highest good for you? What if conquering your giant is not that you won't suffer? But what if God's highest good for you is to bring glory to the Father. Do you know what people tell me who go through extreme suffering? They say to me, Pastor Rick, I have brought more glory to God through this suffering that I have gone through than I ever dreamed I could bring to God. And so many of you, that's your story. I went through the hardest time of my life, but somehow through it, God got so much glory. This is what God is like. And it's the story that we see from the New Old Testament to the New. Because do you remember in the New Testament, you remember this line, there will come one from the line of David. You remember this? And what's his name? Jesus. And what is Jesus going to be all about? Jesus gets on a cross and he dies on the cross and he is raised from the dead, right? And he conquers sin and evil. He conquers the greatest giant ever. And this resurrection power is available to you and me and we don't ever have to be defeated by our giants. So I'm going to ask you to do something. It might be uncomfortable in a sense. You might have to write with your hand cupped over in front of you so that nobody sees it. I'm okay with that. But that card that you got when you came in, there's a tear-off portion on the bottom. Okay? Would you take it out, everybody, right now, that card that you got when you came in? Would you grab it? Would you grab a pen? If you're comfortable writing your name on the front, I would love for you to write your name. If you don't want to do that, it's okay. I want you to identify your giant before you leave here. 
And then there's something I want you to say to your giant before you leave here, okay? I want you to take the card and I want you to write down what your giant is. Now, if you're sitting by somebody and you don't want them to see, just cup your hand over it. Or just kind of give them a weird look. Like, don't, don't look, you know? And in fact, I wish you wouldn't let anybody see it. I wish you would just let this between you and God. And I wish that you wouldn't try to peek, okay? Just let somebody have this moment. And just write down your giant. And if you give that card to somebody when you leave this morning in our worship center. And so if you go out these doors, you might have to run to that other door and give them your card. Because there will be people at each welcome center. As a pastor, and we have lots of pastors here, we want to pray for you this week. I want to pray about your giant. If you don't want to sign the card, you don't have to. If you don't want to write down something that's too personal, it's okay. Just put personal situation. That's okay. I really want to pray for you. And I'm hoping I get to touch every card this week when I pray early in the mornings. I want to pray about your giant. I really want to pray for you. And there's lots of other pastors that really want to pray for you. Okay? Identify your giant. Write it down. And would you take it to Welcome Center before you go? They're not going to look at it. They're not going to look see if your name's on it. They're discreet. They know what we're doing here. They're going to receive it. They're just going to put it away. I want you to be free. I want you to conquer the giant, whatever that means in your situation. So I ask you to bring a friend today. And some of you are going, oh, I forgot. You know what that means? That means you have to come back tonight at 5 o'clock and bring your friend. That's what it means. But actually you could. Because you may be sitting here thinking to yourself, I have a friend who needs this sermon. And so for the first time ever... We are having a 5 o'clock service. It'll be the same band, the same preacher. It'll be in the Family Life Center in the worship room. And so there's somebody that you love that's facing a giant. Why don't you bring them tonight? Wouldn't you do anything for a friend? Call them and bring them tonight at 5 o'clock. We're going to sing before we go. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. But there's one family that would love to be prayed for today. And I'm going to pray for them. And they're going to come down now. And if there's others who want to come and pray, you're welcome to come and pray. Let's celebrate Jesus, our giant slayer. Okay? You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.